God's really going to do something this morning, and uh, He's really going to touch some hearts. So what, just let's just pray first before I bring you what I feel the Lord's put on my heart. Father God, we just we want to touch Your heart, and we give You permission to speak right into our lives. That we would, as a community of Your disciples, hear Your voice and be transformed by Your direct personal word to us father god i pray lord that our ears would be open but that our hearts would let the seed be sown into our spirits of what you want to say and i pray this in jesus name amen i really feel i do have a word this morning and that's it's really around the whole issue of what happens when you're in pain Um, when you're going through a trauma a crisis things are going very difficult in your life and I, i just really want to teach you a couple of principles around don't keep the present focused on the past. You know when you're in pain, if you're in pain right now, so something in your life's not going well, and you compare with how you're feeling today with some previous event, we tend to over magnify that event. We tend to think, oh, things would be better if it was back then. And, you know, the the Bible's full of stories. How many times does God have to remind the children of Israel to let the past go? Because God is always transforming us into the likeness of his son. That's actually scripturally what the Bible says his plan is for everyone who follows Jesus Christ. God the Father, his purpose in your life is not just to keep you comfortable, happy or satisfied, but to transform you into the likeness of his son. And from my experience, trauma, struggle, difficulty, crisis, actually allows us to touch and connect with God in a way that nothing else does. Even though at the time we go through pain, we get some sort of transformational thing that happens by the power of the Spirit because God has a plan. And if all we do is focus on how good it used to be, how different it was in a positive way, we almost over-magnify. We focus on the wrong thing and we keep the past in the present. And so here's a simple scripture that... that, um, just basically encapsulates it. So it's going to come up on the screen here. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. And it just, it's just an easy thing to remember. It says, Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such a question. Can't get more direct than that. Do not say, Some translations say, Where the good old days, Why were they better than my current circumstance and experience today because it's not wise to ask such questions so i'm going to teach you three principles i think come out of this concept where god tells us from his word that if we treasure or over magnify or romanticize about something good in the past you're actually going to miss or not be receptive to where god is taking you now so i think we're all in transition all the time Again, as disciples of Jesus, we're not just sort of resting on our laurels. We're not just celebrating past successes or achievements. But actually, God is taking us somewhere, both personally as an individual, but also corporately as a church. So let's think just about our church for a moment. 
about the past five years. Who was in this church five years ago? Put your hand up. Look at that. Just have a look around. So I don't know exactly how many people, but probably there's probably maybe 20, 30, I was going to say odd people, but 20 or 30 normal people. Um, you know, in the last five years, if you're unaware, like if you've just recently come to Uni Hill Church, we were not in this building. We were in a, uh, uh, an older sort of hall in Greensboro. Um, we had two congregations, one on a Friday night, one on a Sunday. And I'm not sure of what the average numbers were, but they were much smaller than, than for instance, us this morning who are here, probably more around, you know, 25 to 30. And so in the last five years, we sold that property. We purchased this land that we're actually sitting on at the moment, or sitting on a chair, but we, uh, we purchased this land. There was nothing here. In the transition of building this property, we then went to, I think, three different locations from memory. Um, went to a school hall. Do you remember anyone that anyone was around with a school hall? Broken chairs. Oh, look at that. It's amazing how many people came during that time. Do you remember the drips coming from the roof when it rained? And how bright it was, you couldn't see anything on a screen and all those sort of things. Then we, then we, we moved to other venues anyway. Of course, in that time, we had a, uh, a youth pastor appointed, who's now a campus pastor, Charles. Um, we didn't have a community pastor, John Graham. We didn't have this space or this venue. In fact, we've only been in this venue for 18 months. We didn't own that building next to us, which is now the Hope Centre and which is going to be uh, dedicated on the 27th of August. Five years. So we're always in transition. All of, and, and you are personally because you're part of this journey. In fact, I think as a community, we reflect individually what God is doing to us as a corporate group of believers who are passionate about helping other people find Jesus Christ. But if we magnify the past, we're going to be stuck. And it's not wise to say, oh, I wish, you know, wish, it was lo- you know, wish the music wasn't, was like it what used to be. Not that I think many people would say that here. When I first come to this church, we'll sing to a CD. That's true. CD. So sometimes we over-magnify things. Now this verse that I've showed you here... I was recently rereading it because um, many years ago I went through a very traumatic period of my life where I lost my job and I thought this particular job I had I was going to sort of live and work in this particular role all my life. I was so dedicated to it, I was passionate about it. There were some leadership decisions that happened that sort of started a bit of a decline in this organisation, didn't have enough income. Um, people, there was transitions in other roles and sort of all these little things ended up to the point where that organisation um, began to fold. And I was devastated because I felt God had put me there and I was going to spend the rest of my life there. And I remember one day complaining to God. Now I know you're more spiritual than I do, but often I have a winch to God um, and I, I think we're a bit validated there by David who complained quite a bit through the Psalms. Uh, God's not worried about what you feel or what you think. In fact, he already knows it. And so I'm there complaining to God about what is going on. You know, I couldn't understand it. I was very frustrated and, and angry at some of the leaders because of the decisions that were made that sort of led to this crisis that we're in. I knew that it wasn't the, the organisation wasn't going to sustain itself much longer. And, of course, because I couldn't perceive what God was doing next, that's the trouble. When you're in crisis, you cannot see the future. 
One of the things that God does, he often doesn't unfold the future for us in a long-term way where we can see the destination and the exact thing that we'll be doing in 5, 10, 20 years' time. What God tends to do is unfold it step by step. And isn't that frustrating? Isn't that annoying? What sort of a God would only show you one step at a time? Well, that's our God. But why does he do that? I think it's actually very simple. Because our relationship with him is always built on faith, which is trusting in a God that loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So even though we don't necessarily hear what we want to hear from him at times, or we don't get the answer that we're crying out for him at times, or he doesn't show us what we're demanding him to reveal in that moment at times, we trust who he is all the time because he's already proven himself to us. That's what faith is. If God showed you everything that you would go through in the next 10 years, you may actually not want to go through it, number one. But number two... Why would you need to trust him once you already knew the destination or the growth or the change? And so what I think happens is the very nature of faith. We, when we live by faith, we walk by faith, we're told to, to express ourselves by faith. We were singing, I don't live by feelings. Well, sometimes we do, but we live by, what is it? Faith. Trusting God because we know how deeply he loves us, how protective he is of us. But that doesn't exclude us going through difficult times and so our relationship with him must always be built on faith. You can't just look at something that God did for you in the past and park yourself there, pitch your tent there, live there. There's no life in the past. Life is right now. God is always a God who's in the present taking you somewhere and most of the time we are unaware of the destination he is taking us to i had no idea i'd end up at this church you probably had no idea you might end up in the role that you've got or there's some elements of your life that you just never could have predicted or even if you wanted to make it happen it could never have happened but god was involved and so even the good and the difficult times have got to you where you are today and so what we have to understand is, although we celebrate what has done in the past and the good things about the past, we don't over-romanticise or live there. So here's a principle. Let me give you principle number one. A single truth is not the whole truth. Now we see this in church life quite a bit. In some churches where there were certain seasons that took place where, for instance, maybe they had an incredible worship team or maybe the teaching was outstanding or the, the children's ministry was incredible and then things shift because different leaders come along. God, God actually works in different seasons or focuses a church to grow or develop. That is you and I in a certain way. So he takes us into a different season. And how often do we say, oh, well, you know, for instance, you might say, I wish Pastor Nick was here today. It's not the same when Greg's up here. But we do that, don't we? You're not going to say you'd say I just realised. It's just an illustration. We over-romanticise, and you know what? You focus on something that was good, that was true, but at the exclusion of all the other truths at the same time. Now, the children of Israel did this. So, you know, just um, a little snapshot where, of course, they're 
in captivity in Egypt and God sends Moses to deliver them with Aaron. And so Moses and Aaron, you know, you know, probably know the story in Exodus, they eventually go to Pharaoh, they, get, they eventually get permission to leave after the plagues and then they cross the, the Red Sea or the Dead Sea, as it's commonly called, and they end up in a wilderness. And in Numbers, you read their comments to Moses about being stuck in a wilderness. And this is what they say to Moses, it would be better of us to stay in Egypt. Would it? In captivity, slavery, bondage? So this is part of the issue. In fact, one of the complaints they say to Moses, all we get is this manna, that bread that comes out of heaven. In Egypt, at least we had leeks and garlic. Imagine the breath, but they had leeks and garlic. You know what they were doing? They were fixated on one truth, and that is in Egypt, they did have more variety of what they were eating than they did in the wilderness. But the other truth was, they were in slavery. Now, the principle here is the same for us. We focus on a single truth and make it the truth, which actually makes it not true. You suck the truth out of it when you don't consider the whole past. And this, this verse here in Ecclesiastes says, why, you know, don't say, why were the good old days better than these? It's not wise to say that. Well, that's because, why is it not wise? It's because you're not seeing the whole picture. You're limiting your focus, your response, and your potential to change and develop and grow because all you see is the leeks and garlic. That's what happens. I think it's an innate human thing that we do. When God takes you through a transition period, whether you call it a wilderness, a crisis, whatever, whatever name you give it, when God takes you through that, you end up focusing on something positive, but you make it untrue because it's not the complete story. It's not the whole picture. And it's certainly not the way God sees your present circumstance in what he's doing in and through your life. He has got some plan for you that's to grow and develop you and part of growth comes out of challenge and trauma and crisis it just doesn't come out of the positive and the good things it comes out of the complete experience of living in this world and following God as our number one primary focus that's how it comes so we should never make a single truth the only truth when you look at the past if you pull that from the past into your present your focus is clouded. It's blurred. Here's the second principle. A single success should never be idolized. Originally, I had the word demigod because, again, I think, you know, let me speak honestly, for, for people who are following Jesus, we have to be careful that we don't idolize or create a demigod out of something that God allowed for a season. So, for example, the role that I had in my little story when this verse really jumped out of the page and I felt, you know, because I didn't know where my future was, I had young children at the time, you know, so I had responsibilities. And again, my, my sort of limited vision was I thought I was going to do this role all my life. And then here I am one day complaining to God. I'm reading through the scriptures. I get to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10, and I'll read this verse and I felt the rebuke of God. 
And it's a, it's, it's a burdensome thing to, to feel or to hear God's voice say, don't you trust me. You keep focusing on the past, you're not going to live out the present that I have for you. And so if we idolize some ministry, some success, some expression that the church had in the past, if we make that an idol, then you're not worshipping God, you're worshipping what God did. And that is not the same thing as worshipping God. And again, that's because, think of our church. God is taking us somewhere. Think of the Hope Centre that's about to open. You think about the, the growth and the people, you that have come into be part of this family and God's disciples right here in this congregation. Well, that, of course, is going to change how we grow and what we do. Because it, depending on who's... Bring, you know, God brings along to a church depends on the expression that that church has. You are a gift to this church. And your gift that God uses, your, your skills and your, the spiritual gift that God's put on your life will be expressed out of this church. And so when you move on, it's going to be different. If I move on, it's going to be different because God works in seasons. And so what we need to understand is don't idolise a successful ministry expression or season, we worship only God. And if God takes us into a new season, that's where we follow. If God takes us into a wilderness, one of the most, uh, I find it a very challenging scripture is, you know, when Jesus himself is led into the wilderness, it's the Holy Spirit that leads him in there. The gospel writers very clearly say, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. So Jesus doesn't escape the same principles of life here. We're not. We never idolise something that, you know, often it's the emotional stuff. We felt really connected to it. There was a lot of fruit out of it. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important and we don't celebrate them or recognise them. But if that's our focus, if the past is our focus, you're pulling it into the present. And you know what you do? You resist the changes that God's doing now. You know, you hear people say things in a negative sense in circumstances like this. Oh, I wish it was like what it was back then. Or I wish we had this person. Or I wish we did this ministry. We used to reach so many people this way. Why can't we do it that way? Now, I'm, please understand, I'm not saying... I'm hearing that or we as a leadership hear that here. I'm just saying that that's, we've got to be cautious here because as a church we are in a transition period and things are going to continue to shift. But not just for us as a group on a Sunday or with the Hope Centre or the Counselling Centre or you know the food parcels we give out, not just that but for us because we are the church. I sort of feel that what's happening for us as a, con a whole congregation is reflective of the change that God's going to do and is doing in you right now. And so never idolise. There are no sacred cows in the church. There, there are none. It doesn't matter how good things were, that was then. And yes, it was, we, again, we celebrate it, recognise it, value it, but if we just focus on that and criticise everything else that's happening now... You're not in the present. And so our focus must be we only worship God and we'll only follow God, wherever he takes us. Again, we sing those words, but, you know, if God told you to shift career or give up everything or, you know, like Jesus said to the rich 
young lawyer in his day, sell everything and follow me, and he didn't do it. But part of the challenge is responding to what God says to us and to you personally. And if we idolise one special thing that has produced great fruit, then you're always going to go back there. You're always going to compare it to that. And so a single success should never be idolised. Don't worship what God was doing or allowed. We worship God. And He is a God of now. He's a God that builds us, changes us, challenges us, grows us. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is disciplining yourself in the ways of God. And so our growth, our maturity comes from understanding what is God doing now and being obedient to that leading and where God's taking us right now. So um, I was having a conversation with someone actually this week, not, not about this, I wasn't talking about this, but they just made this comment that just sort of really jumped out at me. This is what they said. They said, I think God is doing things that we can't control. You know my response? Well, it probably is. Probably always does. And there's probably nothing that God does we can control. But I just I thought, you know, in context of what I, 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 was, I was planning to share and what was on my heart to share, that just that phrase, it was just a general conversation about following God. And someone said, oh, I think God's doing things in my life I can't control. Well, really? <laughs> I think it says more about us, actually, that statement, that we want control. We want to know, and God says, no, well, you're not going to know. You're going to trust me. You're going to follow me. You said you'd follow me. Will you follow me? And so I think that statement says more about our need to try and keep control or to keep um, second-guessing. But, but here's the problem. The problem is if we keep pulling the past, yeah, the past into the present, our perception is wrong. Now, you may not know exactly where God's taking you personally or where God's taking us as a whole congregation, but if we keep pulling the past into the present, then our perception is going to be clouded. And in fact, our focus, our attention, our let me use the word devotion, our devotion should be towards God, not towards a previous thing that the church did well. Or you can apply this to your family. You know, people say, oh, you know, it was great when Nana was alive. Nana was a great cook. But talk about, you know, this verse. They forgot Nana was interfering, controlling. <laughs> right? So this principle is not just about spiritual growth and what God does in churches and in us as disciples. This principle is true for everybody because it's actually God's truth, whether you know him or not. You can apply it to your workplace. Don't say, where are the good old days? It's not wise. Now, really, in the Hebrew, that, that sort of second statement of the verse, it's not wise to ask such questions, it literally means wise people would never think or say that. Only fools think or say that. Only fools think, oh, where are the good old days? Only fools say, where are the good old days? And so I think part of the challenge for us is we love security as human beings. We love predictability. We love, we love things to be organised, structured. You know, when you came in this morning, you probably had an idea of what to expect here. If you come here regularly, 
you probably thought of an idea of what was going to happen this morning because we like predictability as humans. But God is very unpredictable. He's mysterious. He's in control. Not me, not you. No one is in control but God. And as disciples, we give up control. We actually, you know, again, we say it, we sing it. We're supposed to be humble before God, in submission, subjection before a holy God. Now, everything that he does is for our benefit because of his deep, abiding love. And that's why we can be in subjection to him and in submission to him, because of how deeply he loves us all the time, never wavers. And so everything that happens in my life and in your life, God can take and shape for your transformation whether it's positive or negative. And if you just keep looking at the past and pull it into the present, you're, you're actually looking at the wrong thing. You're not focused on what God is maybe saying or calling you to do or to give up or to transform or to lay down. So here's, here's the final point I'm going to bring to you. So the first one was a single truth is never the whole truth. The second principle was a single success, like a ministry expression, should never be idolized. Don't put that up above God. And here's the third one. The new and the old never go together. Now this is a constant theme right throughout the Bible. The new and the old, they never go together. Now you'll know some of these scriptures. Um, in Isaiah, of course, there's that famous scripture where he says, God says, through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel... Don't you see the former things that have taken place and now new things that I am doing? They spring up and I'm announcing them to you. God actually is warning the children of Israel that the new things are springing up and he's telling them before they arrive. That's what it literally means. And he then goes on to say, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. It's springing up. Don't you perceive it? There's that word, perceive, perception. So if you're focused on the past, you can't perceive the new thing that God's doing because your perception's in the wrong area. The Pharisees did it towards Jesus. In fact, Jesus quotes this verse back to the Pharisees. Don't you see the new thing that God is doing? Don't you perceive it? He, He quotes this verse directly to the Pharisees. And of course, he unpacks that great analogy about a wine skin. And in the, in, this, in the culture that Jesus lived in, they would take an animal skin and they would use that stitched bag to ferment their wine. And part of the fermentation process that happened with the wine sitting in this wine skin is during the fermentation where it be turned from, from juice into wine, the skin itself would become a little bit rigid and hard. And if you tried to reuse that wine skin to create new wine, so you'd finish the wine that you had in that, stored in that skin and then you poured in new juice to try and make a fermentation process again, that wine skin would crack and you would lose all of your juice. Now, of course, in a very subsistent farming sort of culture, every, every skerrick of food and harvest and juice and grapes mattered. And Jesus takes this very common problem that they had in their world at that time in history. 
You can't put new juice into old wineskins because it'll crack. And he's talking about the new thing that God is doing through him and the Holy Spirit to come. But that illustration is true for all parts of our lives. And here's why. The wineskin has done its job. It served its purpose, but it needs a new wineskin for the new juice. And that's true for us. Some of us are a bit of a hard, crackly wineskin. God wants to pour something new in us, but we're so rigid. We, we hang on to the very success of the past. We idolise it. We focus on a single truth and not the whole picture, you know, the good and the bad. And we're so rigid that we can't contain the very thing that God's trying to pour in that's new. And that's our problem. Our problem is you have to give up the old because the new and the old, in, in God's way of working, the new and the old never go together. You have to give up the old to access the new. You think of all the scriptures where this, this is a common phrase. Um, I'll, read a, I'll read a couple to you. One of the ones that stood out to me, 2 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 18 where it says, from glory to glory, and we often quote that, you know, if around in the 70s and 80s as a Christian, we used to sing that, quote that, from glory, God's taking us from glory to glory. Well, he is, but you know how he does it? Through the wilderness, through crisis, through transformation, from glory to glory. Now listen to this, we forget the next bit. Progressively, he is transforming us into the image of his son, is the rest of that verse. You've got to give up the old to get the new. The old and the new don't go together. Again, this is true for your family. I mean, we heard old and new through Lockie's story. Um, I have adult children. That's old and new. I have to give up the old. I can't parent them or lead them as I did when they were younger. I mean, this is a truism for every aspect of your life. If you hang on to the old, you can't get the new because it's rigid. The old is rigid. It served its purpose. You've got to discard it and step into the new thing. It's interesting, the Bible does not normally assess the present times, so your, so let's say your present difficulty, struggle or crisis. It never assesses the present time in terms of the past. What God does in Scripture, he assesses the present time in terms of the potential future in where he's taking us. That's, that's the way the Bible treats the present not holding on to the past, but understanding this today, even for us right now and for you personally right now, today is full of potential where you can access the new that God has for you. That's the way the Bible understands the present because God is always a builder, a restorer. He always brings life and healing. He saves. That's the God we have. Thank goodness we don't have a God that lives in the past. Because when you think about your past, when I think about my past, there are elements you don't want anyone else to know. Or you think that you're, you're not worthy. How could God love me? How could I ever do anything um, that's of worthwhile? You know, maybe there were messages you were given or, or the way you were treated. We all have these things in the past. But you know what? God is a God of the present where he's coming to restore, save, build up, affirm, change and transform us into the likeness of his son that's the sort of god that we have and you know what i've just got a little picture it's like you know when you have little children and you're in a hurry to get somewhere and the, the little feet can't keep up with you the little legs can't keep up with you sue can't keep up with me already and she's not little well not not in an age sense 
But that's what God's like for us sometimes. God's saying, come on, let's go. Keep up, keep up, keep up. But if we're too rigid or we're stuck on the old, we're not going to access the new. We're going to resist God. The old has served its purpose and the new thing will serve its purpose as well. That's what we forget. The new thing will also serve its purpose. God says he'll put in a new spirit in Ezekiel. He'll give us a new song in Isaiah. He reveals new secrets, Amos tells us. We are new creations in Christ, 2 Corinthians tells us. Philippians says we have a new future in Christ. Not the old, a new future in Christ. When Jesus returns to earth, he's going to fold this one up and create a new heaven and a new earth. We serve a God that always brings life. He doesn't settle for fracture, destruction or corruption of any kind, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical. He is a God that brings life and brings newness in the present. But I think Lockie was right. We have to respond to that. Because you can resist God. You can be so focused on the old. And what, what you think was good about it, you're going to miss what God is doing in the present. So don't keep the past in the present. Focus on God and what He's doing in you right now. Whether it's easy or difficult, focus on God and what He's doing right now. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to bring this to a close. I did feel, actually, just close your eyes, just for, literally focus on God. It's not my words. It's what the Spirit wants to do and what He wants to say. I did feel before we began today that there are some people in pain And this is a real word for you, that God is right here in the present. And part of the struggle is for you to let go of something in the past. And it's holding you back. It's suffocating you. it's, it's, It's actually drawing the new life from the very thing that God's trying to deposit in your life. And so if if you feel that's you, I just want you to put your hand up. So everyone keep your eyes closed. Just keep your hands up for a moment. Father, I just pray over every person that is reaching towards you right now that newness of life would come, the old would be discarded, and Lord, you would bring clarity for the very next step into their lives. Lord, may their world view be changed, not to be stuck years past in a particular event, feeling experience or an interpretation of what happened but may your Holy Spirit come now and fall and minister into their lives that their eyes would be open their hearts would receive this word and Father the transformation power of Jesus Christ would come and minister in Jesus name let's put your hands down for a moment If you don't know what it's like to be a Christian or you're not really sure, maybe you've come because you're visiting or a friend has brought you, you have really no concept of what church is and maybe you thought this is a bit strange, it's not what you expected. But you know, we follow Jesus 
because he brings life and we tried life without him and it just it's not the same we we understand through a personal relationship with god that we need jesus christ and we want to follow his way of doing life in this life right now and so we have a gift here for you if you're interested in what it means to be a christian um, what does it mean who is jesus it's just we've got a little booklet here that explains who Jesus was. We've also got a Bible that contains some of the, the teachings of Jesus and, and the story of how Jesus came to earth and what he did for us. This is totally free. I'm not asking you to join our church. There's no obligation. We'll certainly help you if you want to have a conversation with someone about who this Jesus is. But if that's you, why don't you put your hand up? We've got some hosts. They're going to give you one right now. So is there anyone here that you want to know more about Investigate Jesus, more about who he is. Anyone here, just put your hand up and someone will get one to you right now. Don't be shy. Let me finish with this. I think our church is on the verge of something significant and it's got nothing to do with any of the leaders or any of us in terms of our gift or ability, but it's the plan and purpose of God. And so this message where we don't keep the past in the present and don't ask why can't it be like it used to be because it's not wise to do that is because God is taking us somewhere that is, that is far beyond what we could ever plan, manipulate, control or make happen ourselves. And it's not because we're talented or gifted. It's because it's always been His plan. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be victory. There's going to be growth. There's going to be challenges. But that's because we all have to be transformed into His likeness to get to the destination in which God's taking us. And that happens personally and corporately at the same time. We're not going to stay the same. Not in terms of who's here, the size of the church, ministry expressions. Things will change. But that's because God has a plan and we have to be ready, willing and cooperate with God, even when we don't understand it. And listen to this, even when we don't like it. We often don't like, who likes change? Yeah, a couple of liars. We don't like change. But you know what? We trust in the very wisdom of our God. We don't trust in our own wisdom, our own ability to plan and think. We trust in the love of a God that has a plan for this place and for your life and for my life and corporately together we're going to express that I can see many more people coming to Christ being transformed being helped being ministered to we, we, we are going to see some incredible things but we can't live in the, in the past we have to live in the present we won't always understand it we won't always be able to, to know exactly what to do but we are going to see transformation. That's what's going to take place. But we have to be transformed for our community to be transformed. That's the way it works. Everybody said? Amen. Very quiet now. I'm sorry about that. But we're going to finish with a song. Let's praise the Lord together, shall we? God bless you.